0: Welcome, keep coming in, keep coming in. How's everybody feeling? did you s- Hands up if you actually slept last night? Oh very well Hands up if you were woken up by the wind. Hands up if you were woken up by a young person. Oh. Well done, those people. <laughs> earplugs. Woohoo. We love the earplugs. <laughs>
1: always panic that if I have the earplugs, that I'm not going to hear something really important, like <laughs> a young person screaming.
0: That's all right. No, 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 no.
1: <laughs> Key art of delegation. <laughs> How many people have young people who put an alarm on for like four in the morning to go shower, but then just ignore it?
0: Oh, they get up. What is that about?
1: Wow. Yeah. We have a few that they put on for four, but then don't get up. (laughs) we are like, thanks. That's next door to our tent. (laughs) Love young people.
0: So, um, uh, could I just get a show of hands of who's been coming to this session all week? Great. Thank you. That's amazing. Um, So for those of you who haven't been coming to this stream, um, this is the Youth Culture Venue. Hence the massive yellow uh, flags on the side there. Um, this is your space um, just to chill out and be fed and to hear from God and to just gain some wisdom from the people that are speaking um, throughout this week. Um, my name is Bex um, and this is Tex. And that was not intentional. It just happened like that. <laughs> um, and uh, we've been here all week um, serving you. And uh, we hope that the program um, is going to support you um, for when you go back into your communities and back into your ministry we hope that you um just get some time here to spend um feeding yourselves um and uh, just getting some really well-equipped practicals um to take back into your youth ministry um but i'm going to hand over to tex he's going to introduce our wonderful speaker joel today
1: great guys thank you so much for coming um but what i would love to do so yeah first of all as beck said my name is tex um but i know that for youth leaders uh you often have a lot going on uh, in your minds, even now, as you've heard uh, content talk from either main stage or 12 to 14s that you're thinking, "Ah, oh, young people, I've, I've got to do this." You know, you've got lunch to sort out, you've got youth leaders to sort out. But I just would love to uh, read over Paul's uh, blessing that he reads in Ephesians over you. So, could I encourage you, actually, just to stand, um, like if you're comfortable, open up your hands to receive. Um, But I just felt this morning for youth leaders to know the peace of Christ in their lives. And uh, just take a moment to slow down, to receive all that God has for you. That even though you're looking to serve young people and that's what you're doing right now, that God wants to bless you. So Ephesians 3 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, youth leaders, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length and the height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly uh, than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. So why don't we give uh, Joel a warm round of applause. Um, I've had the absolute privilege of just being able to spend a couple of days uh, with Joel, getting to know him a bit more. And I've been uh, really blessed just to hear uh, how God has been at work in his life, his passion to serve young people. Um, So can I encourage you, lean forward. You have got some great stuff coming for you.
2: Awesome, thanks. How are you all doing? We good? Yeah? It's quite a few days into New Day. Do you remember that you like your young people or not? I was at a festival last week with young people I volunteer with and on the first night I got into my tent and a young person had put posted notes over my whole tent, in my bag, in my sleeping bag, on it all. And the worst part was it was from one of the tool sheds And the theology course there gave it to him to go and give to people and to use as somewhere like promoting it across the festival and he just put them all in my tent. Um, We're going to do some questions at the end. This slide's not going to be on here for the whole time. So if you want to take a photo of that number or write it down, you have 10 seconds to do that if you want to ask any questions. I found that funny. Um, a bit about me is I say jokes what most people don't find funny and I do, so if you see me laughing that's just me laughing myself Um, moving forward, so I work for a charity called Kintsugi Hope and we exist to equip the church to engage in conversations about mental and emotional health so my role in that is I head up youth and students, so I spend a lot of my time speaking to youth workers speaking to young people around this topic, and as youth workers you'll probably know this but one in six 16-year-olds struggled with a probable mental health illness in 2021. There's a, that's around 9 million. There's around 9 million young people in of that age group in 2021. To put that into perspective, that's 18 Wembley stadiums full of young people struggling with a probable mental health illness. These young people are in your youth group. These young people you interact with every single day these young people are struggling and need our help now some imagine if I'd broken my leg and I went into church the next week on crutches and someone said to me Joel it's because of a lack of faith that you've broken your leg or Joel it's because you didn't pray enough that you've broken your leg we wouldn't have that would we we wouldn't want a young person to come into our church and feel the shame that they're struggling with a mental health illness because of how their church is going to react. But that's how some young people feel. And that might be how your young people feel and you might not even realise that due to stuff what has been said or hasn't said. Often as Christians we present this perfect life and our youth and our young people see this perfect life and then they look at themselves and they go, oof, I can't get there. We have some young people who are struggling. So how as youth workers, how as people who interact with young people on a daily basis, how do we support young people who are struggling with their mental health? And how do we share that the gospel has the answer and Jesus can be in that place? I think for us to change, we need to look inwardly and then we will look outwardly. We first need to look at what do we say about mental health, what do we feel, what are some truths we're uncomfortable with, where we may be a bit stigmatized, and then once we've seen inwardly, we can then look outwardly. So we're going to be looking through over this next little time. We're going to look at, be looking at three P's: our posture, our presence and our proclamation. What's your posture? What's your posture when it comes to poor mental health? What's your posture when it comes to Christians and struggling with their mental health? Is it one of judgment and standoffish? Is it like, oh, you shouldn't have mental health, let's not talk about it? Is it one of putting our heads in the sand and going, I don't know what's going on, this scares me, we're not going to speak about it? Is it one of actually we're confused, we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do? Is it one of, oh, we're happy with it? To look at our posture, I think it's helpful to look at when was the last time mental health was spoken about in your church? And it could have been last week. When was the last time in your youth group you spoke around mental and emotional health? When was the last time that was a discussion? When was the last time that that was going on? I think sometimes we can present to our young people that our posture is one of not wanting to speak about it. Not because that's actually what our posture is, but because it's not spoken about. If I came to a youth group for 10 weeks, and every week mental health wasn't spoken about, it'd be easy for me as a young person to jump to the conclusion that it's bad to have mental health in this youth group. Does that make sense? How actually sometimes the stuff we don't say is more powerful than the stuff we do say. So what's your posture? When was the last time this was spoken about? And how was it spoken about? In what context was it spoken about? When was the last time your lead pastor spoke about mental health? When was the last time from on stage it was up front spoken about? Maybe in a youth group you have a good chat, but when was your church speaking about it? I guess for me, I remember in lockdown, the first lockdown, I, for the first two weeks, sat on like a bar stool every day to work. Then two weeks later, I was like, I can't move. <laughs> My back is in agony. And I was like, what's going on? And I realised for two weeks, I'd just been hunched over like that. We can't change our posture until we know it. I guess in every walk of life, and everything I do, I want to be more like Jesus. So when it comes to our posture, how do we, mo- how do we be more like Jesus? I think thir- first, we need to educate ourselves. What does... What do we know and what do we need to know of our mental and emotional health? Have a few tips. Mental health first aid is quality. If you guys haven't done that as youth workers, can I strongly suggest you do it? It's such a good starting point. The, the government have released loads of these online like exams and like GCSE level qualifications. What are free? What you can do? There's stuff on suicide, there's stuff on anxiety, there's stuff on depression. Those are really helpful tools for you guys to start to go, oh, let me find out a bit more about this. Let me find out what exactly is going on. So our posture, what are we speaking about? How are we speaking about it? And first, let's educate ourselves. Secondly, your story. One in four people in the UK will struggle with a mental health condition each year. So some of you in this room will have struggled. I'd be in that one in four. What's your story? All of us either will have struggled with a mental health illness or poor well-being. Or will know someone who has. That's just logic. That's just how it works. So what's your story? When we we look at Jesus' life, we see how he speaks through stories all the time. Well, actually, your story has so much power. I remember in a well-being group I was doing with my young people, the first thing I said on the first week was I went, last year, you got, it looked like I was having the best time of my life. I was actually depressed and I was really struggling. Straight away, the culture in that room changed. And the young people were like, oh, we can be real, we can be authentic, because our youth work has been real and authentic. Your story has power. So get to know your story. Have a think in your life. What, what, has, what, What's going on? And don't don't force it. Some of us will be in this room and have never struggled with a mental health illness. And I've never struggled with that. And that's completely okay. That's amazing. But you probably will have known someone who has. And what's your story there? Your story has power. So our posture... These two things are going to help us look at our posture. One, educate ourselves. Two, find out our story. How does that work? So practically, we need our young people to see that we have a posture of good mental health. That we're open to conversations. That we're ready to be involved. That we want to be in their mess. So how do we do that? We educate ourselves. We look at our story. But a few practical things. If you're part of a youth group and if you're chatting, it's easy to ask questions in your small group or in your church about, hey, what you've been up to? What's going on in your life? Where are you struggling? What's your What's going on with your mental health? Those things are quite easy. I was struck again last week. I was, I was, as a young young kid who I know, and he opened up for the first time about something really deep about mental and emotional health. I was like, for years I've been with you and I've not known that. What what have I demonstrated? What have I communicated for you not to feel safe to open up with me? It's a humbling place to be. To go, maybe as a youth worker, I've missed the mark here. Maybe with this young person, I've missed the mark. What's our posture? So we're going to do this for each one. Um, extroverts, you're going to love this. Introverts, it's five minutes of hell, and then I'll, sp- I'll speak again. Five minutes. Think about your posture. And the reason we're going to think about it now, because as a youth worker myself, I know I, I will, I would, I, if I was sitting here, I would leave, I'd go, "Oh, I'm hungry, my young people must be starving." I'd sort out lunch, and then suddenly a young person would be crying, and I won't think about this. So that's why we're going to think about now. What is your posture? Take five minutes. What does your church or youth group say about poor mental health? What is your own posture individually towards this topic and what needs to change? Go turn to your neighbor and have a chat. Awesome. If you want to come back to the front. So our posture, it might be one of good, it might be one of bad. There might be some stuff we need to change. But when we are with our young people, when we are speaking to them, what's our presence? How do we communicate? What is our presence towards them? Is it, it could be loads of things. Is it one of, right, let me fix you straight away. It could be a di- dismissive statement of putting it down to hormones. It could be an inviting statement to be vulnerable with yourself. It could be I really want to help, but I have no clue what to do. What's our presence when it's when it comes to young people? How do we journey with people who are struggling? I feel like my childhood. Were these bands? Every church we can had to go, and I pay one pound. And I thought they'd be the height <laughs> of fashion. I'm Not sure why you're laughing, House. <laughs> um. What would Jesus do? I want to be more like Jesus in my youth work. I want to be more like Jesus in my life. So how does he journey with people who are struggling? Well, we find this beautiful, beautiful story in Luke 24. So Jesus has died. He's risen again. And he has a limited time on this earth. If I was him, I would do a feeding of the 5,000. Lots of people. Everyone there, or walk on water, still lots of people. Or Sermon on the Mount. Oop. Oh, we're back. Don't want you to miss the vans. Oh They didn't like that you guys were laughing at them. Oh, thank you so much. See they'll come back now. Um (laughs) haven't a clue what's happened. Right. Yeah. Right, well that's going on. I think it's my laptop. It is my laptop. Oh. Cool. It is plugged in. Right, well... Let's carry on. So, to Emmaus had a really cool canvas slideshow I was really proud of, but that's fine. God is good. My slideshow was also good, but not as good as God. (laughs) Do you know when you start a sentence and you realize, Joel, that's blasphemy and you can't say that? Yep. Just me. (laughs) Understood. Right. to Emmaus. Jesus has died. He's risen again. He spends the morning walking with two broken people. Just think about that for a minute. Jesus spent the day walking with two broken people. That's what he did when he rose again. So these two guys they're walking to a and Jesus comes and they can't see him. He's wearing a wig or something. they don't know what he. they don't recognize him. That was another joke. You could laugh, but that's fine. Um, was wearing a wig and and he goes, "Yo, what's going on? And these guys are like, "Hey." Don't you know what's happened? Are you the only one in Jerusalem that hasn't seen this guy has been killed? And Jesus, is like, yeah, nah, didn't see that. Explain, and they're like, well, we thought he was our Messiah. We thought he was the one. We thought he was going to save us from the Romans, and yet they killed him. They killed him. At this point, if I was Jesus, I would go, hey it's me like take the wig off like Hannah Montana just like yo I'm back but he didn't and that makes no logical sense Jesus you've got a limited time on this earth go and see some people go and do some healings or something yet he spoke to them and he let them share he let them open up about their emotions. He let them speak and communicate. And then he started to open up the scriptures. And then he started to go, oh, maybe you've misinterpreted this. Maybe you've misinterpreted this. He first allowed them to speak. Jesus doesn't do anything by mistake. And there's this new, funny enough, this new thing in therapy called holding space holding space is being physically mentally and emotionally present for someone whilst they feel their feelings a big part of holding of hold space is withholding judgment and not trying to fix now counsellors like this is amazing this is a new thing it wasn't jesus did it 2000 years ago jesus held space for these young people Nope, you're going to hold space for these young people. Jesus held space for these two guys whilst they journeyed, whilst they processed what was going on. He had the answer. He had what they wanted, but he allowed them to open up. He allowed them to share. Guys, that's what our presence needs to be when it comes to poor mental health. is to be one of holding space for our young people. Of going, I might not have the answers. Or I might have the answers. But I'm going to allow you to feel your feelings. This is super hard. <laughs> and super easy. It's hard for me because I'm a fixer. So when my young people come to me and they're crying, I, I want to just go, right, this is what we're going to do. Boom, boom, four-step plan. Bob's your uncle, Bill's your nan, let's go. But that doesn't work. That's not right. Our young people need to be able to feel like, oh, they can process their emotions. They can be real and safe with you, and then we can help them sort it out. Another beautiful thing about holding space, anyone can do it. It's not about having the answers. It's about allowing them to process. You don't need to have a counselling degree or a degree in psychology to do this. You just need to be able to be present and be able to hold that space. And I imagine most of us do this in, each, in different areas of our lives. If you've had, ever had like a conversation with someone and they've just blurted everything out to you and, and you've said nothing, then the they go, oh, you're so wise. Thank you so much. You're like, I did nothing. But you did. You held a space for them to process. This world is telling our young people that nothing is safe and there is no hope. That's what everything's being communicated to our young people right now. COVID, nothing is safe. War in Ukraine, nothing's safe. Cost of living, there is no hope. All climate change, you're not safe and there's no hope. Like nothing is communicating hope and safety to our young people. But we have an opportunity to hold space for our young people. And what does that do? It creates a safe space for them in an unsafe world. That should be our presence when it comes to poor mental health. That should be what we speak about. And with that in mind, um, the charity I work for, so I work for Kintsugi Hope. People are like, Kintsugi, what on earth does that mean, Joel? Um, good question. As a dyslexic, it took me a while to learn out how to spell it. Um, Japanese art form. In the UK, we smash a port by and we either super glue it back together to hide the cracks or we chuck it in a bin, if we're real and honest. In Japan, they put gold powder in the glue and they make a feature of the cracks. Arguably, this port is more beautiful. It is definitely more unique. Our whole idea is actually through life we go, we pick up scars. Through life, it isn't always perfect, but we can find beauty in our brokenness. So with this idea of holding space, we created a six week wellbeing group course for young people. All of our mental and emotional health. And the idea of it is to equip young people to look after their own mental health and mental health of their friends. It's like Alcohol is anonymous or Weight Watchers before your mental health. And the idea is we we partner with churches, Christian organizations and schools. We train you guys up, it's three hours long, it's all online. And then you can run this. And it's kinda of like a buffet. It's written through seven different land styles, and we give you a hundred percent material, and you utterly pick and choose what you want. There's too much material for each week, so you totally develop it to your context, and that's why we've seen it work in inner city London, and in rural uh, and north, and in island Northern Ireland, and in Scotland and in Wales. That's why we've seen it in schools, pupil referral units, and youth groups and youth outreach centres. It's about creating a safe space. Where young people can go, ah, and be equipped to look after their mental and emotional health. There's one guy, in a, in a group, in a school I had about the other week, and he, he started to come to this group, and his dad came, and his dad was super worried, and said, hey, my son really struggles with anxiety, you need to be careful, sort of thing. And his dad left, and his son was there, so the youth worker walked in, and his son was in the corner, with his hood up, far away from the group, and the youth worker went over and was like, hey, do you want to join us? He's like, I'm not joining. I'm not going to take my hood down. That's the only thing that helps with my anxiety. Youth worker's was like, "That's chill with me. You stay there. You do. you. That's fine. So they started doing the course. And they did this activity on what does it look like? What does your anxiety look like? And the young, per- per- young person came into the group. Then they did another activity about a grounding technique. And the young person took, took his hood down. His hood never went back up next week the young person starts to explain how he had a best friend who died a year ago and he felt like he had no one to speak to so he'd go to his best friend's grave and speak to him because that's the only person he had in his life the young person started to open up a bit more and then he started to share and go hey I had a massive fight with my mum we don't speak anymore at that point another guy in the group went oh I had a massive fight with my mum. This is what I did. And then I was like, Oh, that's good. And the group supported and helped this guy reconnect with his mum. youth worker bumped into him a few weeks later, the guy was hardly recognisable. He'd found friends for life who equipped and supported him. That's what these groups do. Hold in space. That needs to be our presence, of welcoming, of safety. So, extroverts, hand shine. Introverts, push through. What is your presence? Is it one of off putting or is it one of safety? How can you be? How can you hold space more in your youth groups? And anything to do with that talk? Cause I've lost the questions. Five minutes. Go. Okay. Awesome, Amazing, if you guys want to come back We have the slideshow again Thank you um, There we go Our proclamation This is the fun bit This is the bit I like anyway What's our proclamation? What's the truth We are communicating to our young people About poor mental health? What does the Bible say about it? And what does Jesus say about it? And how can we evangelize and share the gospel when it comes to poor mental health? Our proclamation could be a few things. It could be, come to Jesus. He's great and your life will be good afterwards. It could be, hey, you need to be perfect to come to him. Now those, I can guarantee, aren't the things we communicate out loud, but it's how we might communicate without saying it. Like when a young person sees their youth worker, and all they're ever going about is how they pray, how they read the Bible, and all this stuff. And actually, ages ago, they had some really bad stuff in their life, but now they're really good. What we communicate to our young people is for them to love Jesus and be accepted, and work in His, li- and for Him to work in their lives. They need to come onto your level. And you yourself aren't even on that level. (laughs) You're just not communicating the bad stuff. And suddenly our young people are trying to reach this unrealistic dream, unrealistic expectation, because you haven't communicated when bad stuff's going on in your life. Do you see how we need to be careful what we communicate, but we need to be careful what we don't say? When church leaders stand up each Sunday and share and preach the gospel, but never are vulnerable... They communicate to their congregation that to be on my level, to be, work, to be used by God to the way that I am used by God, you have to come to this standard. That shouldn't be our proclamation. That's not what we want it to be. But when we aren't honest, when we aren't vulnerable with our young people, we by default share, make that our proclamation. And suddenly we're wondering why young people aren't going for good aren't going for it. It's because they don't think they can. Because they're totally aware of their mess and they're totally seeing your perfect life. What is your proclamation? Well, what I think a proclamation should be is found here. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-9 Therefore, in order to keep you from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. This verse is life-giving. This verse is life-giving. Pause here He's going, hey, I've got something wrong with me. I've got this thorn in my flesh. I will save you loads of time and effort. Theologians have argued about what it is. The answer, nobody knows. But there's a thorn in his flesh. There's something he is struggling with. And he goes, God, take this away from me. I can't deal with this anymore. I can't do this anymore. God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. This verse is my life. When I was four, we found out that I had a speech impediment, a severe one. We also found out that I was severely dyslexic. remember in primary school, standing up front, it was my birthday, and I was of the whole school and the teacher was like, Joe, what did you get? And what I shared what I got and nobody could understand me. So my mum had to shout out from the back of the classroom what I got. I remember in year six, getting zero out of 12 on my spelling test every single week. It's consistent, but bad. I remember walking down from year six to year two classroom to get the biff and chip books, because that's all I could do. Went into high school knowing that I couldn't speak well, knowing that I couldn't write well, knowing I couldn't spell. In high school, once again, I found that really hard. School wasn't set up for me to succeed. I had a laptop woman. I had to go to class five minutes late and leave class five minutes early to get my laptop. I remember um, the school spent hundreds of pounds on a speaking software for me. And then they realised I was so... I had, oh, it's gone again. Oh, I had, I, I had a speech... I feel like every time I step it goes... Oh, it's fine. I had a speech impediment and the software wouldn't work my job is to preach my job is to write material and to speak I'm not healed from dyslexia I'm not healed from a speech impediment, and over the past few years it's got increasingly worse yet I stand here today because of God's power may rest in me if God doesn't show up You guys don't understand me. Not in like some spiritual way, but you just wouldn't understand me. That's the story. That's my proclamation. I am totally broken. I am totally a mess. Yet through God, I can do the impossible. And often in church, we communicate the healing story, what I love. The healing stories are incredible and I'm all for them. But when we only communicate that, only communicate the people who couldn't walk and now they can walk. Who had this, you had this and now they don't have this. We miss out the fact that even when you're broken, God still works. Like my story would be good if I came up here and was like, yo, I was dyslexic and I prayed to God. I don't want it anymore. And God went, sure. I'm not dyslexic anymore. I think my story's better. Yeah, I'm still broken, I still can't do this but through God I can our proclamation should be one of your brokenness doesn't count you out of God's plan for your life and so often when a young person is struggling with a mental and emotional health they can feel that can count them out for God partnering with them in their life they feel like they can that counts them out from God going yo, that's, we're not going to work together They can feel so ashamed because they know that they're broken, yet they can't do anything about it. Our proclamation should be one of, God can heal you, and I'm all for that, and let's pray for that. But even if there isn't a physical healing, a miracle can still happen. Not all miracles are healings. God can still work in you. Paul then carries on in 2 Corinthians. He talks about treasure in jars of clay. He says this, for the surpassing power for we are, for you we have treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Paul speaking about these tr- these jars of clay like they're an everyday item and everyone who would be reading this when it was written would have these jars they're fragile they're broken they get chipped they have holes in them they'd they'd never be perfect and God goes Yo, you're like those jars of clay you're fragile you're broken you pick up scars along the way but it shows that the surpassing power is in it and belongs to God not you God's light shines most bright through your brokenness. And actually as Christians, we sometimes do good and injustice because we try and put on this perfect facade of our life. And when I put on my perfect facade of my life, I stop people seeing Jesus working in my life. When we ourselves try and be perfect, we miss out what God is doing in our life. The best way I can evangelise is showing people how broken I am and going, yo, but God's here. People see Jesus most clearly in my life through my brokenness. You young people will see Jesus most clearly in your life through your brokenness. And that's scary. <laughs> Cause that means being vulnerable. That means being real. That means being honest. And that's not always comfortable. <laughs> Our proclamation needs to be one of, I am broken, I am a mess, but through God, I'm still here. Yeah? The Starbucks logo. If you look at the Starbucks logo, there's a flaw in it. That flaw wasn't always there. The Starbucks marketing team created this logo, the mermaid thingy thing, and they presented it to Starbucks. And Starbucks was like... There's something wrong with it. And then they realised it was perfect. And nobody could relate to it subconsciously. So Starbucks deliberately added a flaw into their logo. If you look at their logo, one eyebrow is longer than the other. Because they knew people would then subconsciously relate to it. Because they relate, people relate to brokenness a lot more than they do to perfection. Perfection. If Starbucks know that they've got to be broken for people to buy their coffee, shouldn't we as Christians be totally aware that we need to share our brokenness because that's where Jesus is? If we want young people who are struggling with their mental health to be part of our youth group and feel safe, we need to have a posture of openness. We need to have a presence of safety. And we need to have a proclamation of God is still working. Let's share the full story. Let's share all the stories. The stories where people prayed every single day, yet God didn't heal them. But let's also share the stories where people have prayed once and God's healed them. Because He's in both and everything in between. If you work with young people, you're gonna encounter people who struggle with their mental health. It's a fact. And we can, as a church just put our head in the sound and go yo let's ignore that because that's uncomfortable or we can be real or we can be honest I'm so struck that I've been doing this for a few years and each year my seminars with young people more people come each year because more people in in my generation are totally aware that they need help and are totally aware that they are struggling with their mental health and I need support. And if we as a church don't support them, then they'll go somewhere else to get support. We have an opportunity to grow your youth group, to see young people be saved, if we get uncomfortable and get real about mental and emotional health. So please, as someone from that generation, as someone who loves young people, don't give up on them who are struggling. Jesus didn't and you shouldn't. So five minutes. What is your proclamation? Is it one of good stuff? Is it one of bad stuff? How can you present yourself more? And what stuff could you change in your youth group and your church to make your proclamation align more with what Jesus has been doing in people's lives? Okay, five minutes. Awesome. If you guys want to come back, we're just going to finish in a couple of minutes. So if you guys want to get back to the front, because um, the slideshow has been doing fun stuff. This is the um, well-being group material that I spoke about, What Can you? Run? It's six weeks long. It's optional seven weeks. It's written through seven different learning styles. And it's very simple. And it's a tool what you guys can use to go into schools, go into youth, your own youth groups. We've had we've had youth workers go into schools to run this into schools that they've never been able to get into before and the school going can we make this part of the curriculum and the young youth workers are going to have to go back to their past and go hey can I be in the school like every day because the school wants us it's a really helpful resource what equips young people to look after their mental and emotional health but back to this, back to the proclamation um, we need to go for this We need to keep on going. One question what we've had a few times just come in was, how vulnerable is too vulnerable of our young people? What's the line? Because young people aren't counsellors. We don't want to dump on them. But also we want to be real and honest. And there's a few helpful things. If If the young people are the first people to hear about it, it's too far. If the young people are the first people to hear about it, it's too far. We need to be able to process with people before we speak to our young people about it. And the second thing is, is statements are a lot easier, I think, to share than like sharing the whole journey. So for me, when I, at the start of this year, was, had to be signed off work because I was struggling with depression, I was able to give my young people, hey, look, this is going on in my life and I'm not working right now. And It sucks. But that was as far as I needed to go. I didn't need to open up my can of worms of all what's going on. I had a counsellor for that and a family and friends to do that. But statements are really helpful because they just remind young people, "going Oh, stuff is happening, <laughs> stuff is going on." So just sharing little bits, not the whole story, can be helpful. If it feels like you're dumping on them, then you probably then you probably are to some degree. <laughs> And it's a different line with different young people. So I'll be more open and more, not open, but more longer in my explanations to the young people I mentor than to my youth group. Because I have a different relationship with them. And that's very natural. Jesus had different closeness with, didn't he? So we have meant, there's some people who I'd be more open with. And the other thing is, it's having people hold me accountable, and me holding them accountable. And the people I serve with on my youth group. Is if I if I'm saying too much or too too little, they're going, Yo, come on. And likewise. <laughs> More of you, Lord. Um. <laughs> so be open with them. Find find the line. And the line is blurred, the line is different between who your youth group is and between, between what the context is and all of that sort of stuff. But don't allow your youth group to be the first people you speak to about it share this share this statement not the full story and allow you allow your other your other youth workers to hold you accountable and you hold them accountable find the line read the room you will know if your youth worker most likely if what you're saying is having a deep effect on your young people if it's leaving them feeling more hopeless than hope-filled it's probably too much um Guys, thank you so much for listening. It's been really fun. Sorry we've had an interesting ride with this. Um, this is my email. I'm around for some of the day. I'd love to chat more with you guys about any of this or about Kansugi Hope. So send me an email or come and see me after this. But thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Joel, for just giving us some really practical tools to serve our young people. And, you know, I think the kind of things I've taken away from really yesterday and today is um, I'm a bit like Joel in that I want to fix things like really quickly, like try to find a solution. But often what our young people, they need is just someone to listen to first, don't they? That's that first step. And so even as we go throughout this week, as they come back from seminars, as they process stuff through the meetings, like even if that is just your first step to... Just know, let's slow down, let's listen to young people um, is kind of the the first step. But I I would also love us to just quickly respond um, for just a couple of minutes by lifting our young people up in prayer. Um, because as we uh, serve young people, we know that, um, you know, like Joel said, it's not we're not necessarily praying for healing, but what we do know is that we want young people to feel safe with us. And sometimes even though we might communicate that to them uh, verbally or we try as best, they don't always see it. But just even praying for a sense of God's presence on our campsites, uh, in their tents, you know, as they talk to you, that young people would feel like they have got adults who love and care for them and are fighting their corner in some shape or form. And often I know the way that we do that is uh, the first place that we can do that is in prayer. So why don't we uh, just lift up our voices, pray for our own youth groups, um, and then I'll close for us to pray. Yeah, stand if you want, but let's, let's pray. I just feel for us as youth groups. Normally, I know when the seminars end, I feel like walking past is really loud, um, but I feel like actually I can't hear as much that's going on. And I think it's because of us praying. And I just feel like the sense of us being able to be uh, people who block out the outside noise through prayer. Um, and so, can I encourage you throughout uh, your week that kind of prayer is your first port of call? Um, just when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling tired, like go to your friends, go to your youth leaders, like, you know, trust them. But I just in those quiet moments prayer so let me pray for us Uh, Lord God, I want to thank you so much that you are a good God, uh, that you are a faithful God. Uh, Thank you that we are not doing any of this in our own strength and our own power, but we rely uh, on the Holy Spirit that is at work in us. Uh, God, I pray that we would uh, see a shift in all of our youth groups where they would be safe places where young people know that there are uh, godly people who who love them, care for them, and want to see them flourish in their lives. Uh, God, I pray would you give us wisdom as leaders to uh, to serve young people well, to help them feel safe, uh, to help them process life, to know that they don't have to have it sorted, and also to communicate that that the God of the Bible is with them in their in their struggles, that the God of the Bible is involved in their lives, he is not far off that he doesn't care that he loves them deeply and is walking this this journey with them, that he walks journeys with with broken, hurting people, and he he intervenes into those. But God, we pray would we would we as youth leaders be uh, vessels of hope uh, over these coming weeks and months. Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, just lastly, uh, before I hand over to to let us know just a couple of things for next uh, tomorrow. I nearly said next week, but there's no need for next week. Um, just to say, if you have heard anything today, we realise that, you know, as youth leaders and as Joel has really helpfully shared that uh, our mental health might be in a place that just... Uh, we need some processing and you might not have that space right now uh, or someone on your campsite that you feel you can deal with, uh, stuff with. We have the green caps here. So we've got Emma, uh, who's here, and Steve at the back. He was there somewhere. I hope he still is. Um, they would love to pray with you, talk to you. So please use them uh, to, to be able to just kind of at least as a first step. Um, but yeah, so over to Bex.
0: Thanks. Um, so we just wanted to highlight um, to you a seminar that's happening with Andrew Bunt this afternoon at three o'clock he's um, leading a seminar on living out Um, whether that's you um, wanting just to get some more wisdom on that um, for yourself or for your team um, or even your young people um, Andrew is a brilliant speaker um, and fantastically knowledgeable on the subject and really breaks it down super well so um, that would be a really um, good um, seminar to go to and then tomorrow. Tomorrow, um, we're here for our last session oh. uh, myself and Tex will be speaking on leading youth work um, leading um, youth leaders and anything around that subject so we would love to see you back here again tomorrow for our final time together and I promise we'll sort out coffee for next year Woo! <laughs> um, and just lastly a massive thank you to Joel um, and Kasugi Hope um, do talk to her afterwards Loads of resources. They're fantastic um, organisation, um, and they could really, really help you in your youth work. So, um, have a blessed day. We're so pleased to have seen you. <laughs> bye bye.